0: Hey, it's Jess, and welcome to The Heart Strong, a podcast where we explore navigating the challenges in our lives. It's my personal mission to guide you towards your greatest potential. So come along with me as we explore living with courage, or as I put it, living heartstrong. On this episode, I'm sitting down with Matt and Sarah Hammett. Matt and Sarah are parents to four kids, they're artists, entrepreneurs, creators documentary filmmakers. Matt is a seasoned and accomplished musician, and they are here today talking about life. We cover real topics like faith and marriage and family and weathering challenges and what it's like to raise a kid with an uncertain future. I met the Hammets because my son Ethan and their son Bowen were both born with congenital heart disease or hypoplastic love heart syndrome, which is a very rare congenital heart defect. And so, We've had the privilege of working together to serve the community in a few different projects. But over and above that, I've gotten to know the Miss people. And what I love about them is that they're open and real and vulnerable and they love people. They really do. They want to set a wide table in their life for people and they want to serve out of their story. And so that's what we're talking about today. So I am excited to share this episode with you and I hope that you'll take something from it that really serves you. And if it does, feel free to share it with your friends. All right, let's take a listen. Matt and Sarah Hammett, welcome to the podcast. I'm so glad that you're here today. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Yeah. So I thought we would just start out, start the conversation by just, if you guys could just tell everyone listening a little bit about yourselves and your family and kind of how you're showing up here today.
1: So we're the Hammetts and I've been married for 22 years and have four kids, all different ages, almost 17 Fifteen? No, fourteen. Oh my gosh, 14, 12, and ten. Man, oh man. So you keep telling me how Claire's almost fifteen. It's yeah. like when you're on the cusp of it. It's like it's like going to the drive-through pharmacy and they ask you for your kid's birthday. Right. They want the year too. You know, it's like yeah. it's okay if it's month and day, but they want the year. I get really screwed up and I feel like a horrible father. <laughs> um, well, I got four of them. Um, but yeah, so we've we've been. Um, gosh, just kind of on a crazy journey over the past 20 years of just doing creative things and entrepreneurial things and trying to keep family strong. And so we're excited to talk about it.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you guys, too. Um, So let's start. Let's dive into that and talking about 20 years and family and and how you're keeping your priorities, because I think it's something that, frankly, like we all struggle with, 'Cause if we're humans, if you're showing up as a human, as a parent, it's it's tough stuff. So, you know, early on in your career, Matt, you had like wild success in music and you guys have been on a really cool journey with music. And um, you know, you decided at one point just to take a step back. And I'm sure that's a decision that you made together as a couple. And so I think this is a tension that a lot of people face today. You know, the tension between family and the desire to do that well and the desire for success and for pursuing the things that we love to do. And so I'm wondering if you'll just share with us a little bit about if you can go back in time in your mind and how you made that decision together and how you keep making that decision. Because I think it's not a one-time choice, right? It's something we have to keep choosing through different seasons of our life.
2: Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, early in the... uh. 2000s you know about 2001 two crazy big things happened in my life i got married to sarah and i signed a record deal um you know with sparrow records which is now part of capital christian music group and so we just hit the road as a young married couple and it was really difficult to figure out but we were together and so mm-hmm. there was uh, a lot of years four four about four years where we adventured together. And then Sarah got pregnant with our first uh, baby, who's now our 16-year-old, Emmy. And everything kind of changed. We went from doing the adventure together to her coming home and being a, a, a mother at home. And then I was out kind of still pursuing the dream of music with my friends. And so it really did create a lot of tension for both of us to figure out how do we make family work at a distance? And then for me as a father and a husband, how do I chase a career dream and balance it with my family dream, knowing that my career dream was taking far more of me and that the family dream was far more important. So Mm. that I think was always a tension inside of me. So even... You know as i continued through the six albums that we made as as, uh, my band sanctus real i would say by the second or third record i was already feeling a lot of that tension but i didn't really have it sorted you know like i think i was learning how to sort it the feelings and the emotions versus like the action of what do we actually need to do to make this work and then in 2016 actually well i made the decision about a year and a half before that but in 2016 left stepped away from the band to be home with my family more
2: yeah so. and it wasn't just his dream it was his occupation it's how he made money yeah. and we didn't go to college because well I did for a year until he told me to quit and go on tour <laughs> but but um i mean that's what we had and so we didn't I mean, it wasn't like you could just stop and go do something else. It was it, and it the ball was already rolling really well, yeah. so it was tricky. Yeah,
1: yeah it's like it's that balance of like, hey, the doors are opening. We have success. Which ones do we walk through and which ones do we not? You know, I think that's mm-hmm. always the question what you're talking about, choosing choosing every day. And even now, as I'm still year to year figuring out where I put my creative energy, what do I say yes to? And what do I say no to so that I can have the margin in the space for family and for doing the things that, that I have brewing inside of my heart and not just committing to something that, you know, for the sake of just a job or to fill my time, you know?
0: Yeah. And And I think that's like the tension of being a creator, right? It's like, it's, you feel called to something. There's like this deep feeling inside of you that you feel called to something and there's practicalities of life and you know that and being an artist being an entrepreneur being a creator like there is that tension and I'm just wondering how have you like evolved through that or iterated that because I think there'll be people listening it's like they have those desires they they have those interests they have that bent of that and yet, it's like there's, how do we balance those things? Because the other, and I kind of bringing into this too, like we're individuals, right? We're couples, we're individuals, we're parents. We need to honor all of those things in some way because God made us all of those things. How do you think about that as individuals and like as a couple?
2: Yeah, I think like you're you're saying the autonomy of being an individual, I had to learn he's super creative. So Mm -hmm. I can't, as a wife or as a spouse, squelch all that. But at the same time, it can't be all of who he is, right? So there was, and we still are having balance. I think when he was actually on the road, though, anytime he sacrificed something from the road, it was because of us. And so there was a very clear this for that and that for this now Mm. that he's home and he's still creative it's kind of our thing and so it feels less tense you know because everything feels almost like it benefits us as a couple yeah all the way along so but i mean even right now he's in a super creative space he's making music and you know, we're seeing it. It's shaping up. He also has business things going on. So it's like kind of, it kind of ebbs and flows in our life. Like all of a sudden it'll be just everything will open. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to just like, okay, pull the kids. I I kind of take more of the responsibility. I try to keep things more orderly so he can function creatively and we've found a good, pretty good balance. And yeah. then we can talk openly about what that those tensions are. Cause it also gets tense, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so we can, after 22 years, thank God we've learned how to talk about it a little
1: better. <laughs> yeah. I think to me, I'm learning as well. Uh, I had to learn that Sarah is also a creative person. And so I had to learn how I could fuel her gifts as well. So like, as you're aware, you know, we made the documentary Bowen's heart.
0: Yeah. I um, want to talk about that.
1: Yeah. And, and, be, you know, we're not there yet, but just as an example of something that she had in her heart, that was a creative idea of how we could do something that could hopefully be a blessing to other people, you know, walking through hardship mm-hmm. and me learning to, to blow wind in her sails and support the vision she had. So I think when I was on the road and I was, I was gone so much, it was like, I only had enough capacity to think about, well, what's my creativity and how do I keep fueling that thing? And now I have the margin in my life to go, okay, that's cool. I get to be creative. She supports me. Well, how do I then also turn and support her Mm -hmm. and her creative endeavors? And that I think too, leaves more, leaves more freedom. Like it's not a feeling of like, well, you got to do this, and now I get to do this. It's like no, we're, there's a there's a mutual giving and respect of each other's creative gifts that gives more of a freedom in a way to like just work f- work more freely without that tension or guilt around like mm-hmm. you know, I taking too much of the you know like and I think, you get what I'm saying yeah I think, and I think
2: yeah. the way you measure that is you self evaluate realistically and even get feedback from people around you, you know, like, Mm -hmm. am I giving him enough? Is it balanced? Do you know what I mean? I think sometimes we can think it's balanced, but it's not. Yeah.
0: And it's also like not doing that keeping score thing that you guys, because I mean, that's a thing in relationships, right? I mean, it definitely is. And I think there's, it's like there, everyone can't be in their season all the time, you know, sometimes it's, you know, and then it's also that evolving, like, my husband Eric says to me, he's like, I think one of the challenges that couples, one of the downfalls, he's like, especially guys, he's like, is that they stop growing as people. And then if you're not growing as individuals, there's no way in heck you're going to be able to grow together. And that growth pro- like produces exactly what you both were saying, like that self-awareness so that you yes. can support the other person. And That's like really hard work, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, It really, yeah, it really is. is. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Bowen's heart because we're talking about entrepreneurship and creativity. And you know, tell everyone listening about that movie and that documentary that you made. I mean, it's it's so beautiful, and I love the heart that you have behind it. So yeah, tell us about Bowen and about kind of Sarah. I know that was like your baby, kind of. You know, your 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 magnum opus. I should say. (laughs) Pardon.
2: I called it my magnum opus. Like it was just like there we go. I love it. Life's work of kind of, I don't know, it was it was a great outlet. I think like it's interesting, like I had to do a lot of like digging of why did we do this? You know, there's Mm -hmm. like and there's a million different layers to why. One was because if we have to we found out six months before he was gonna have to have this third open heart surgery. I was hoping maybe he wouldn't have to do it, even though that was unrealistic. Mm -hmm. But once I realized, okay, he has to do this, I really felt like deep in my heart we were supposed to create something and I think it was like many fold it was like okay if we create something then the pain isn't so hard to bear because there's something Mm -hmm. I can see tangibly that's being created even though there's a ton of things that come out of pain it's I can point at it there it is another one was I had you know he was almost nine and he was supposed to have a surgery Gosh, 7 years prior and every year I just kept pushing it off. And when I would think about the day that I had to put him in the car to take him, I I almost couldn't even think about putting one foot in front of the other. And mm. so I thought, well, if we have this documentary, I have to do it. Like there's no way around <laughs> it. Like here we go, we're doing it. It's a commitment, yeah. you
0: know. Yeah.
2: And also I thought, you know, if if anything happened, we would have all of this, you know, we would mm. have these memories. And so anyways. Um,
1: yeah. And I loved, I loved the idea. I mean, I guess I've seen through music how powerful it is to vulnerably share a story. Right. Cause that's yeah. really what connects us with people. And so mm-hmm. I think um, for me, I, I really loved the idea of the value that we could add to other people's lives by simply just being vulnerable with them Mm -hmm. and showing them, you know, how we walked through this difficult season so that when they're walking through a difficult season, they too can say, hey, you know, if if they made it, we made it. Or even beyond that, just to go, gosh, we're not alone. And that has been the feedback we're getting from people that they're like, hey, wow, like we just... It was so wonderful for us to know we're not the only ones going through this. Mm-hmm. And a yeah. lot of families have said we've shared this with with our friends or family or our parents to help them understand what it is we're actually going through as a family. And so we've given them maybe like a tool to be able to help educate um, and then also like express mm-hmm. what it is. That for families that they may not know how to express themselves to the people they love about what they actually are dealing with, and maybe that equips other people around them to love them better. And so mm-hmm. there's been some really cool byproducts, you know, of of making the film that we've gotten to see, and it's been really, really a neat experience. It was hard work, but yeah, it was worth it.
2: And interestingly, too, it's like it's a snapshot. It's if I was to yeah. go back now, I might have different wrap up feelings if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, perfect sense.
2: And it it's interesting cuz I've had to reconcile with the fact that being known in that moment was what it was, even though mm-hmm. right now might be being known a little different. If if, yeah. if you you know what I mean?
0: Oh yeah, 100%. It's like you were really in that moment and you were vulnerable with where you were right then. Which I mean, let's talk about vulnerability for a minute because you you brought it up and I think it's a really it's hard to be vulnerable, right? And and put yourself out there in the world, and yet I think it's what people are really craving. You know, they want to know. It's almost like you guys were like, "Well, we'll go first. We'll share. We'll share this with you, in the hopes that you'll see yourself in it." I mean, what do you? What does it feel like to be that person? And to and 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 how would you kind of talk about vulnerability in the space of creativity? Like, how important is it? um you know what are the what are the things the the fruit that you've seen that bear in your in your journey your life your career
2: i mean i think it's obviously essential right but yeah. it also comes with its layers of second guessing you know yeah. and you know i'll, I'll let you speak oh, to it's that. Fine.
1: yeah i just i think that it's interesting especially for men mm-hmm. to be vulnerable is, is a little less common, I think, um, especially in re- personal relationship, it might be a little easier to say something broadly, but like, one on one. So there's, there's two different, I think, powers and vulnerability. One is the public vulnerability, where you can be in a room or on a stage sure. or through a movie or through a song, be vulnerable. But there's still like this piece there that's like, distant, right? Like, it's a little safer, because you're further away from people. It still has the same effect. It still brings mm-hmm. a healing power um, that I think God really orchestrated, right? Like a lot in sharing your weakness, right? Then it's like that's mm-hmm. where we really find our strength in Him and and community. And um, but then there's a whole another level of vulnerability, which is the one-on-one, which is much harder for men. Yeah. I think women are pretty natural yeah. with that. I think, um, but you know, I just seen the power of that. And I would say, you know, for any man who would be listening, like to really encourage them to have the openness to be the one who does take that first step and does open Mm. up and does show what's really happening under the surface. You know, I had a friend just last night um, call me because he was in the middle of a struggle and 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 he's really modeled for been someone who models for me like, hey, I'm not going to call you after. I've been through it. And then I can say, Oh, look what I went through. And now I'm through it. And we're going to talk about it. He's the guy that's willing to call me in it and say, I'm struggling. I need you to help to, to just talk with me. And that's, and, and then also what's really cool is that he's like, I call you because you're, you're, you're the one of the people who are most vulnerable. You reciprocate vulnerability in my life. Mm -hmm. And I know that that makes you a safe person. And I think that a lot of times we think safety means stability in people. Um, and it does in a way, of course, we want to be with people who are safe and healthy, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, but vulnerability actually, even though we're expressing our mess or our weakness is a massive sign of safety to people to say, I'm someone that you can trust because you are not other to me. You are my people. You, you know, my arms are open to you, regardless of which state you come to me in. And I think, you know, that's just so important. And I do think that then again, on the broad level from stage through song, through podcast, it's like we are doing that to people too. And that level saying you can come here regardless of who you are, what state that you're in and know that, you know, that we, this is for you. And so Mm -hmm. it is so powerful.
0: It really is. And I think it's really interesting that you brought up like the difference between sort of the public vulnerability and the personal vulnerability. And I've been thinking a lot about li- this lately, and um, maybe this is a little off the order of things, but I've been thinking a lot about how, you know, we have this, we're in this culture where there's just like a lack of grounding that people are feeling. I feel like a lot of people are are saying that lately on all different fronts. I've heard this so much lately. And I've really been thinking about the fact that if we're not doing our work in here, if we're not being vulnerable at home with our people, if we're not working through the stuff, then we're not gonna be good in the arena of life. And I think so many people, they wanna talk about what everyone else should be doing or what we should be thinking or how we, you know, what you should be posting, but like we're not showing up really that way in our homes. You know, it's yeah. kind of like, if you can't organize your own home, your own house, like how can you tell someone else how to organize theirs, you know, yeah. type of a thing. And so I think that vulnerability that you brought up just made me think of that, of how hard that is. It's yeah. easier to like spew something on social media if, if you feel up to it, but it's harder to get with your people and even yeah. with yourself or with your creator and be like, I got to work through this. This is, yeah. and I know you, you guys do that. I know you do that in your relationship. I know you do that in your life. And so, you know, if people are listening and they're sensing that also like this lack of grounding, this desire for, you know, everything feels like we're walking on shaky ground, I think a lot in culture in today, like, how do you think about that? And and what would you say to people who are feeling that?
1: Yeah. I think like for me, I I think of how easy it is to work in secondary emotions, you Mm. know? And and I think when we hear that phrase, you know, in psychology or, um, you know, these, these conversations about the work, right? Like that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about taking out the uh, metaphorical shovel, digging through all the secondary emotions to get to what's underneath. And I think that is so hard because it takes tremendous humility, um, and and putting aside what's what the easy emotion is to go to. So like f- to give you an example, like last night um, we <laughs> our daughter was like, um, and she's so sweet, but like she was up on her phone way too late. Nothing nothing crazy. She just was talking too late. Mm-hmm. We realized like, oh my gosh, it's so late, and we and we had to go up there. And Sarah went up and was talking with her. I walked up and, you know, Sarah was like, I got it. Don't worry. Go back to bed Mm -hmm. or whatever. Well, I had in that moment felt like I felt like Sarah was telling me like, hey, you don't have a voice here. Just I got it, go away. Right. Mm -hmm. And I I felt kind of like demeaned in that. But that was not her intention at all. And at first, when I tried to express to her how that made me feel, Mm -hmm. I kind of went to that secondary emotion of like, I feel disrespected as a parent, you know, that makes me angry. And it's like, sure, I might feel those kinds of things. But what was harder, the harder thing for me to do was to like, say, okay, look, I feel afraid that my voice doesn't matter anymore in this area. Mm. And I love my daughter and I, I want to know that I matter in this equation. And I'm afraid that you don't see me as worthy to have these conversations. And to humbly say that, I think like, Oh man, like I don't know what what it is that like it it almost hurts like your body to like yeah. go underneath and like take off the gut response of like wanting to just be annoyed or get your apology or get your own idea out and go to what's underneath and like expose the really hard part of what's really happening underneath. And I think. I think the more we learned how to do that, it, and it was amazing because, like, her response to me being angry was like, not great. But her response to me saying, I'm just really afraid that I don't matter, was like, grab my hand. And she's yeah. with me now, you know? And I'm like, yeah. okay, all right. Like, it's so hard to get there, man. We couldn't do it for a lot of years. It's taken 20 years to get here. I'm surprised
0: but- you brought that up. <laughs>
1: Hey, what about being vulnerable, you know?
0: There we go. Yeah. No, I think that's so good. And, you know, I was listening to this. I I saw this reel on it and I actually sent it to you guys. I don't know if you saw it on Instagram, but there's this guy named Tim Ross, and he has a podcast, and I've listened to a couple episodes. But he said this thing about marriage. And I I thought it was so so interesting. He said, and I wrote it down that, you know, everything that you found out about the person you decide to decide to marry is what got you to do the wedding day. It's like I like this about them. We get a lot like whatever it was, it's like, okay, I want to marry this person. But when you say I do, you're saying I do to everything you don't know. You're yeah. saying like you're making the commitment to who this person is going to become and what our family is going to look like or not. And if, we're, if there's going to be success and how that's going to impact us, if there's going to be struggle, if there's going to be kids, there's going to be illness. It's like we're saying yes to all of those things. And and to then like excavating ourselves through the different seasons of our life. Like, and I, you know, I know that you guys do talks and work in marriage and, you know, it's funny, I will be super honest. Like when I go to a wedding these days, like Eric and I kind of chuckle, We sit in the, and there's these young people and they're beautiful and they're up there and they're like, oh, this is going to be so great. You know, they got everything. And I'm like, strap on your seatbelts there you two because this is like you know and you know it's like and my friend Jen said one day she's like before her son got married she said to me she's like the person you marry is the person that you're going to go through hell with you know and you're going to have to make figure it out and so like frame that for us in terms of if you're a young person listening and you're thinking about that you want to get married someday or if you are a couple like in the midst of things like you know, how do we give each other grace and like? But how do we think about this stuff so that we can do it well?
2: Yeah, I think you said something recently that really like I ke- it keeps ringing through my mind. Um, the things it was the thing that draws us together, like the things we love and we think are cute about each other that are different. That we're like, wow, I'm not like that. That is so attractive. Mm. Whatever it is. Once you get married and you're married a couple of years, you almost become you despise it. Like it becomes almost <laughs> the thing that unwinds you a little bit for yeah, a while. And then what we've found after going through I mean we've had a marriage that it just we have we really like each other a lot. But we didn't know how to resolve conflict very well, and that mm. was really hard on us for a long mm-hmm. time. And at times where we're like, "I can't believe we did it! Like we did it!" Yeah. And so recently, we were laughing because last three or four years, the things we loved then hated, we now love even more. yeah
1: it's interesting so like when you're saying you 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 marry what you don't know that's totally true but then even what you do know can turn to contempt so it's like you know yeah so basically like i always give the example of you know sarah was like bold to speak her mind and i love that about her and she like always had bare feet and it was like oh she's so carefree you know (laughs) Mm -hmm. and like she put her family first and but then like after we got married it was like that bold like fearlessly speaking her mind piece turned into like, she's angry with me and she's, you know, I don't know how to handle all this coming at me in an argument that's, you know, behind closed doors in our, our apartment <laughs> and getting out of control or like, you know, and she's like been in, walking in the mud and she comes in and like, you know, into our bed and like rubs her like muddy feet, you know, on my <laughs> OCD legs, you know, or I mean, there's like, or, or when she's, you know, like putting her family before me, you know, or before mm-hmm. us. And so those things actually came flip. But then it's funny because now what Sarah was saying is those things that we went through the seasons of like, oh, that thing I used to love drives me crazy now. And then you almost get to the back end of it again where you're like, oh, you know what? That just becomes like the old things about them that you just, you just learn to be like, this is my person. Mm-hmm. And they become endearing again but if that's only through time and faithfulness. Yes. It's I mean, like, yeah. because you yeah. do go through the hell where you're like, you could leave it all. And and mm-hmm. half of people do leave it all, you know? And mm-hmm. and, I, and I we get why. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. like, that's where we're like, you know, it is hard. And and people do, you know, go through divorce. It's so difficult, but it it is the thing when you do make it through those things or choose to stay through those things. It is crazy that, you know, you start to experience like, old love. And, you know, Mm. I heard somebody say one time, what the only thing better than young love is old love. Mm. And, you know, you don't know it till you start to get there that 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 elated feeling of young love is it's very similar. It's like like that endearing, but it's even better, you know?
2: Well, and I think you said young love. I think one thing you have to do as a human, and I don't think we really ever talk about this much is you have to mourn young love i mean once you get hmm. married you you have to mourn it it's gone now you know what i mean yeah. like this is our new love and it's the rest of our life and if you can find like it's beautiful so in in the thing you were saying what are you laughing at? i was just
1: laughing i was like yeah you have to put like your love young love dream to death you know just <laughs> well, you marry it it's There's gone
2: a it's ceremony. True. that's yeah. a good i think
1: we should do uh, a <laughs> A ceremony, a funeral for our young love. You know, we <laughs> did go uh, go back.
2: <laughs> but they say if you tough out the hard times, five years later, like there's studies that show you will be more happy than you've ever been in your marriage ever. Hmm. So if you can, if you can grow and push past those sticky parts, and stretch and and figure it out, like you will be happier than you ever have been.
0: Yeah. Hmm. yeah. So let's break that down like a little bit because, you know, there are things that there are practical things that you guys talked about communication. You know, I mean, I know in my marriage, like we've done counseling and we've had to have hard conversations and we've each had to do our own work on different things and we've had to get really honest about stuff. Like, is there like a tool or a practice that you feel like has really helped you weather those things. And I want to talk a little bit about like having a sick child and what that how that impacts a relationship. But just in general, like like if you're speaking somewhere on the topic of marriage and someone's like, hey man, like what what's something that I can do? You know, what what would a couple of those things be?
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, hands down there's one.
1: Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Oh. No, I'm curious, serious <laughs> that.
2: She's, She's an, very confident. Got, She's like, it. hands down, there's one. I'm like,
1: ooh, I'm <laughs> excited to hear this is. No, well,
2: you know. It's called Emotionally Focused Therapy, oh, EFT. Okay. And okay. basically, a lot of times lately, like, I don't even know exactly where I got this, but a lot of times if we just explained our upsetness by saying, I've lost a connection and mm. I, I want to reconnect- and hmm. the, the reason I lost my connection is always... Let me see if I can get this right. The question... Basically, you're asking the question Do at all times in your relationships, do I matter to you? To you, Will you come when I call? I always forget. I don't them. remember them all. There's three. There's three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we, you can type them yeah, up. Yeah. But, but the answer to all three of those, if they're no, then there's a loss of connection. So I can... No come to him and say hey i lost my connection when you threw me under the bus in front of your friends you know like that mm-hmm. hurt me like i lost my connection i don't feel safe right now yeah and mm-hmm. so in order to reconnect i need to know that you understand that you know as opposed to you're a jerk you totally made fun of me that felt like not good. I don't like you. You know, that's what I want. Yeah. Like, that's what I used to say. Like, that's me. That's
0: a reaction. That's a natural, like, that's our defensiveness too, right? We're like, right. I'm not safe. That's the wall. I mean, I do. Yes. I, yeah. I do that. And the response <laughs> you know?
1: can, can be defense too, right? Like, Geez, well, yeah. how about you? You know, what about the stuff that you do to me? Or it's like, or it can be, wow, I'm really sorry you feel that way. I totally hear you and validate what you're trying to say. It's to me. easier to I hear. Think, yeah, I think you know. And for context of what Sarah's talking about, we struggled with conflict for many, many years of our marriage, and then mm-hmm. we don't know why. But uh, EFT, Emotionally focused therapy, helped us so much. It was it, mm-hmm. like we don't, even, we couldn't even yeah. put our finger on what it was about the the approach. Um, but that was that was really powerful. It was for
2: honestly us. marriage changing.
1: Yeah. And then yeah. another couple of things I would say, just like kind of wide overarching brush strokes that I think are like um mentality things. I heard somebody say that, you know, a lot of people say marriage is like a hundred a hundred. So like you give and I give, and then some people say marriage is fifty fifty and mm-hmm. like you give half, I give half. But like I think the reality of that is like how can you ever measure based on each person's own individual reality what that number really is that per- that person brings to the table? I heard yeah. somebody say marriage is actually 100 hundred zero, because you have to decide mm. am I gonna give today, regardless of what I feel like I'm getting back, knowing that if you can live that way with someone else who's committed to the relationship. Obviously, we know not everybody's committed. But if you're with somebody who is committed to the relationship, knowing that when you give that way, that they will give back in return. And I thought that was Mm -hmm. interesting. And the other thing is always, for me, expectation. You know, I think I had somebody say, and I don't know why this stuck with me forever. They were just like, you know, these are expectations up here, down here is reality, and everything in between is disappointment. So it's like the mm. higher you set your expectation from reality the farther you fall <laughs> the farther you basically are injured That's in true. your disappointment you know and sometimes so we can true. set our expectations of another human so high that they can't necessarily live up to all those things and there are healthy expectations too obviously we should have some expectation sure. in a marriage and relationship you know but um but sometimes we have to really evaluate what is my perception is my perception of what this should be realistic and i expecting realistic things from my partner and being willing to adjust out of grace to be able to like cope you know when yeah. we're more when we're disappointed
2: yeah and i think as far as what comes to parenting too something we've learned is god made us both the parents of this child sometimes and we we catch each other we want to like correct each other's parenting. And sometimes we do need to help each other finesse, but God made us different on purpose to create our, to, to lift our child up and grow that child up. And so I think having kind of just not grace, but understanding that he's going to do it a little different. He's going to be a little heavier hand, ha- heavier handed than I am. And that's okay because that's part of my kid's development, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, and kids need both. I mean, there's so much. They need their dad to call them on the carpet about things, and they need their mom to go give them a hug, you know, and, you know, not to like that dads and moms each can't play those other roles, but it's really true. Kids need both of those things to feel secure. And so I want to talk a little bit about, you know, marriage and family in light of having a sick kid, a, a life that you didn't expect. And, you know, a lot of people listening, we all have lives that we didn't expect on some level, right? But I think when it comes to being a young couple and thinking about your life together and the the way your family is going to look, the things your family is going to do, it doesn't usually include learning your child has a life-threatening illness, you know, watching them go through countless difficult things, um, living with an unknown future, you know? I mean, that's the truth. Like, as much as the days are normal like you have those moments you're like well like you said Sarah when you're making that movie it's like am i capturing time here am i am i marking time because i don't know and you know i know sometimes in with eric and i like when we're really at each other sometimes it's just cuz we're scared about what we have to face or what we faced or we're just sad about it or we don't you know we're just and it's hard to sometimes say I'm just I mean like I remember when Ethan was here and we'd go in the hospital and I'd rally super hard during surgery and the month after and then like a month later I'd fall apart. And Eric's like this is your pattern. Like you you're you're great for a while and then you just lose your mind, you know? Yeah. And it's just cuz I was I I was sad or I was processing and so you know how have you all worked through and with that and what does that look like now is your continuing to raise Bowen and thinking about life and trying to be quote unquote normal, but living with this reality? Yeah. Uh, um, well, I mean, I think it's
2: changed, right, over the 12 years. In the beginning, you know, we would say the first time around, we didn't know how to grieve separately. We held each other in contempt for our grief. Like, mm. how could you, you know, this and how could you that? And we really were mad at each other for how we grieved.
1: Yeah, we mm. I would I had as a creative person to step away from the bedside in the hospital for an hour or two a day to process. I didn't know how to be helpful, maybe because Sarah was mama bear at the bedside, like twenty (laughs) four hours a day, if she was allowed to be there. And Sarah was so, um, like, I I guess the only way I to put it is the mama bear thing, where it was like doctors would come in and she'd have a hundred questions, and she would like ask every question and know every medication. And I often wouldn't feel like I knew where my place was there um, because she had that so covered. What I could do was. Help, you know, I I was like, hey, I'm gonna start a page where I update our family and friends, and I'm gonna write about what's happening in here, and ask people to pray for us and update our family, and and keep a little journal of what we're experiencing here together. That was the only way I really knew how to use my gifts to contribute. And so she would say, well, how can you, you know, go away for an hour or two in the middle of the day when our child is potentially dying? And I'd say, well, how is it possible you can like never ever walk away from the bedside to like be with me or process, you know? Mm-hmm. And and it was like I was mad at her because I felt like I didn't have a wife. And I was <laughs> She was mad, mad at, at me him, because yeah. she was like, well, you should be here every second I every day. I didn't feel like support me. from
2: him in the way that communicated support to me in that moment. Now, in hindsight, I can look back and go, oh, he was doing what he knew to do he just that's how he coped you know we mm-hmm. never gone through trial like that yeah.
1: and then when you know those two first two surgeries are so close together oh. but then when this one came we had a big conversation where we were like hey how do we really screw it up before and mm. this time around how do we
2: try tr- tr- try to
1: grieve together <laughs> and give each other the the permission to grieve differently yeah. and um and we I did we better. Did, we did it. We did better. Yeah. We still had a few first time losing we- our mind moments, you know. <laughs> but
2: like, I'm kind of like you. Like, I'm like, fight, 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 fight. And then I'm like, ah. And, like, yeah. and then I realized, even recently, I've noticed maybe I'm a little depressed. And we're three mm. and a half years out from surgery. And, but I think because we do projects and we find purpose and we're just, you know, I think we're mm-hmm. trying to cope with purpose sometimes and then when when we're done with a project we kind. i know for me i kind of like maybe i yeah. fall a little into a little sat like mm-hmm. not full-on depressed but like just i don't know i don't know like aimless a little and mm-hmm. mourning and yeah. that sort of stuff i
1: think we're all similar the three of mm-hmm. us in the sense that when we feel grief or pain we want to like run and do something with it that matters, right? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of times in that it's hard to slow down enough to like process the real grief on our own. And that was one thing that I really talked about in our documentary was like, okay, so we're running, we're doing all this stuff. We're helping other people. We're trying to help our son. We're trying to be good parents. We're trying to make a difference in the world and share our story. And what if we didn't do any of it? What if we literally just let ourselves be like, would that be okay? And in part of me goes like, I don't know. I, be, would <laughs> I be okay? That
2: I literally think no. I don't know I if don't I'd, know I'd be don't know okay. that I can do it. Like,
1: in, in part for me, because I'm like, man, I don't know if I could, can I face it? Can I sit and face the grief?
2: Or were we just created? <laughs> or is it just in the fabric of our personal beings to like, do that. I think yeah. Like I mean like yeah,
1: I think it I is think but it I also is. think there's something to be said. I think it isn't our fabric to do that, but for me I've learned and I'm thinking I'm thinking for myself that like I have to create the space for myself to sit and be with my grief. Yeah. And and feel it and allow yeah. myself to cry and allow myself yeah. to just be
2: sad because I'm sad. And like you were saying, back when we had the first two surgeries, they were kind of back to back within the first year. So we had like a year and a half of just complete trauma. You know, you find out you have a dying child, then your child comes and it's just horrid. And then you finally get out of the hospital and you got to go back again. And and I remember mm-hmm. the night before the second surgery, he was maybe like five and a half months. We were at the Ronald McDonald house and it was like 10 o'clock. Before the night before surgery, and he wanted me to just hug him and hold him, and I was like, "And I wanted to." (laughs) No, we have to get back to Bowen. He needs us right this second. I
1: said, "Can we just take a minute to pray and just yeah, yeah, and try to be talk about this, you know?" But she, in her mind, was like, "Man, this is moments away from our son, and what if he is gone?" Yeah, like what if we don't
2: get more moments, and so. All that to say, like, as we went out of that season and things began to stable out, we uh, one thing I didn't accept for myself and I don't think you accepted for you was that we endured trauma like the whole time, like my son is being traumatized. My other kids are being traumatized. I didn't really because I'm fight or flight and I fight. I'm not being traumatized. I'm fine. Like this like or I'm not fine, but I mean, I'm not going to take on you any of You can handle that. it.
0: You can take yeah. it. Like, yeah.
2: Yeah, like I got it. Okay, whatever. Well, I you know, I think we both were traumatized in the way we like kind of like fragmented during that trauma, we mm. started to go apart. So we mm. had then after that some more marriage stuff to kind of Like, you know, we kind of drifted and then finally maybe five years later we figured it all out and came back together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've reflected on just in doing like the nonprofit work that we've done and serving all the families, which has been great. I've also reflected that it that it is a bit of a trauma response. And and maybe this is my own thinking, but we you know, there is something true. I think serving other people is healing. I think that it that serving others is an awesome thing to do, and it does help heal us. And I do think we have individual callings on our lives of how we're supposed to make meaning out of our story. and And I don't think anything is ever wasted. And and so I believe in that. But but in hindsight, in reflecting on myself, it's like we ran so hard and it and was so successful in some ways that felt so good. But in some ways, I was running from. What I really needed to deal with, I was running from my grief. I was; it was a trauma response to keep going. And I wonder, like, I feel like a lot of people do that, you know. And it's so I think it's important to acknowledge that that's probably true. And at the end of the day, like you guys were saying, like, you got to meet yourself at some point.
2: Yeah, and I think I I think too. We run because we if we don't, will we be swallowed with up with grief? Like will we be able to get out of bed in the morning? Yeah. Will we be able to function if we don't fight super hard this way? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It is interesting because it kind of is like physical therapy in a way, where like, okay, I've got this joint that's messed up. And if I don't keep moving it, then it'll be stuck forever. And I do think it's like you can kind of like, yeah, apply that to like that. Like if I don't keep moving my heart <laughs> maybe yes. it'll be stuck forever you know that's yeah.
2: exactly that just hit the nail on the head for me yeah, that's how i, I feel so. like if i stop will i be swallowed up will i be yeah.
0: stuck yeah yeah but that you know that is also where the important work comes so that we can continue doing whatever it is that like we're purposed to do Yep. So I want to talk a little bit about faith, because when we face hard things, these are questions that we all have. I believe humans all over the earth have these questions, whether they're honest about them or not, whether they're just, you know, in the car when you're driving by yourself or something that you actually articulate. But, you know, faith is the foundation of your life and your family. Um, it's it's, it's the, light, the foundation of my life and my family. It's also a dicey topic that sometimes in this arena and climate of the world is difficult to talk about. Um, People are uncomfortable with it. People make assumptions about it. Um, I think it's actually much more nuanced than that. and I think it's much more of a personal journey than that. Um, But I want to talk about it. Because I think it's the longing of every human heart is to know that they're loved and created on purpose, and so I'm wondering if you would be willing to share a little bit about that, about the faith, you know, your faith as as a family, as a couple, and kind of in the same, you know, part. Like, what if there's someone listening and they're like, "This is a bunch of crap," because this happened to me, and no way that i'm loved or cared about or like this world is just like a mess. You know, i know it's a big question and you know there's no specific answer i'm looking for but i'd just love to hear from your hearts like how you what you're thinking about when i say those things.
1: Yeah. You know, we both grew up in christian families and you know, at times had to figure out like okay, you know, how do we make our faith our own? You know, i think yeah. Um, Sarah and I have definitely even tried to figure out, you know, how do we raise our kids in terms of like, you know, what church do we go to and, and how do we handle heart issues at home? And, you know, that, you know, for us, like our relationship with Christ and just leaning on what we believe is like timeless truth, you know, and scripture. And like, I think gives us something so much, so much bigger than ourselves to hold on to. Because like, I, like, I'm just a human, you know, I think one thing I think about when people will say, well, if there really was a God, then how can things be so broken or how can there be suffering? And I think, you know, that expectation is so interesting to me because I think, well, if there is a God, what makes him God? It's that he's Mm -hmm. not broken and the only way for him to be God is that we are not, because then he wouldn't be God if we are not. What does that make us Mm -hmm. in return? That Mm -hmm. makes us broken people. Broken people make bad decisions. Sometimes broken people can, you know, make hell of other people's lives or hell of our own lives. Broken people can get sick, broken people Mm -hmm. can die. Mm -hmm. And I think for us to say, well, now we blame all that on God and is, I do feel that's a little bit of a trite argument, you know, because we're like, you know, what I do see is that in our brokenness, we have a God who is other, who is God, who is not broken, who said who looks at us and says, Though you can't be God, though you are broken, I love you enough to come meet you where you are. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's what's so beautiful about our faith is that we believe in a God who actually uh laid his life down for us in service it wasn't hey you know like come serve me you know perfectly or you're rejected for eternity it's like no i'm going to come meet you where you are empathize with your pain lay my own life down in service for you and Mm -hmm. the beauty of the way we get to live that out becomes the contrast And, and i will say this every single person has a religion whether they admit it or not we are mm-hmm. religious we are we are religious people like you said our heart longs to rely on a system that is greater than our own selves yeah. so like there is you know right now like you can see one you know glaring religion of secular humanism which is like hey i my religion is doing whatever makes me feel satisfied or good or whatever Um, feeds my personal desire to be happy. That's a religion in in and of itself. And people are as devoted to that religion as I am to mine. Mm -hmm. Um, What's beautiful, I think, about our faith is that in looking at Christ, laying down his life for those that he loved, is that we in return get to say, my religion can't be about what makes just me happy or what just fulfills me um, or whatever wind blows today, I follow. It's saying there's a timeless truth that I follow that says I am made and designed to live my life in that same way to lay it down for other people, and to give myself and sacrifice whether or not it makes me happy. But it's it it's what changes the world. It it's what brings peace. It's what um, that's that self sacrifice following that example of Jesus is what causes us to say, it doesn't matter necessarily what makes me happy today. My life is devoted to God. My life is devoted to others. And I'm here to make this world a more beautiful place through Mm -hmm. serving, laying down my Mm -hmm. own rights for the rights of others. And I think that that mentality in the way that we share our story and the way we give our lives and the way we set our own pain aside or in our own pain try to serve others vulnerably. Um mm-hmm. it is driven by that faith um that there's something so much bigger than us our own desires and our own happiness. Hmm.
0: That's beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah do you have anything you want to add to that? Oh, no, that was great. <laughs> you did it.
2: <laughs> I mean, how do I follow that?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's really beautiful. And I think that um you know, it's it's okay to ask questions about these things. You know, it's okay to be to be to wonder. I know in my own experience after Ethan died and the years that followed, like the people in my life who gave me permission to ask every question, to wonder, I mean, every question you can imagine I asked, you know, and I think I just want if you're listening I want you to know, like it's okay to ask those questions and and look for someone in your life that you can ask those questions to. God is never afraid of our questions, um, and I think that's part of cultivation of faith is the is the space for people to be able to ask.
2: Totally,
1: 100. percent Yeah, I think there has been a we uh, a, an interesting feeling that people get um, that when they're in a church or in a group of of people of faith that if I express a doubt, then I'm not worthy. They'll think I'm not worthy. They'll think I'm less than. They'll think I'm not a good believer, that I'm not, you know, whatever it might be. Even if it's not expressed, it's a very natural, uh, I think, place to go of, of shame. But there's so much freedom in being able to process those things. Sadly, I do think that there is a subculture of religious people who do maybe even out of their own insecurities to want to elevate themselves do sometimes shame others for the hard questions or, or journeying and, you know, and honesty on their pursuit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I would say like the most beautiful, you know, people that I know and I encounter are those who can say, Hey, look, this is what I believe, but I love you just as you are. Yeah. and I'll walk with you just as you are, regardless of the questions, regardless of the doubts, you know. And in the way we believe, it's like, you know, we believe that God is not shaken by our doubts. <laughs> if in yeah. fact He's God, He's not yeah. gonna, it's not gonna shake Him up. He's like, yeah, He knows our hearts, you know. And yeah, and I think that when we can extend that grace. others that's that's a huge piece that's missing in our culture right now too is the willingness for me to say hey this is what i believe but but guess what i still love you even if you believe differently than me something different i fully love you and we're allowed to to debate we're allowed to talk right like don't you feel like that's kind of missing now it's like yeah ability to be able to say this is fully what i believe and i'm not sorry for what i believe but i also love you and what you believe and i see you and i hear you and welcome you to walk with me, you know?
0: Yeah. And let's sit down and talk about it. Tell me how you got here. Tell me, you know, what your experiences that brought you here to this table, to this day, to this idea. You know, I think that's the most interesting part of being a human is to be able to ask each other those questions. And we are missing that in our culture because we're just judging one another for all kinds of things instead of, you know, giving grace. I, I still remember... When Ethan was there, was two things. When we Ethan had a surgery and we got to the ICU, you know, you check in and you're waiting to see your kid, and there was a security guard there, and we had been like these people knew us. We were like frequent flyers, and so Eric says to the lady at the front, "He's like, well, what's up? What's going on?" He's like, "Well, there's a dad here, a young dad, and he lost his mind. His kid's really sick, and so we had to call a security guard, and." you know, we got back and, you know, Eric's, a, you know, at the time, probably like a late 30s lawyer, you know, looks the part, whatever. He's like, man, if I didn't know any better, I'd do the same thing. That's how I feel. He's like, I want to start screaming and, and, and throwing stuff too, because I'm mad my kid is sick, you know? And so it's like, none of us are, it's just, he's not going to do that, but he, but he want but that's that feeling. And so it's like, these are real things it's okay to say that even though you you know he's not doing that doesn't mean that he couldn't would didn't want to go over to that young man put his arm around him to hey man i get it like i i totally i see you or i still remember times when you know, we've been in the hospital with our kids. And it's like, I think that's like one of the holiest places I've ever been, because these are people who are just showing up. I don't, they all have a different story. They all have a different, you know, I don't know wh- where they arrive, but they're there and they're they are they're loving their kids. And, you know, I think if we can meet each other in those places, I mean, I think that there is so much goodness there. And I think we, we just miss out on that and that opportunity a lot. And so- I guess it's like back to like the individual vulnerability, the one-to-one relationships and showing up in that way. So like kind of as we wrap up here, um, you know, we've talked a lot about our challenges or, our, you know, I think there are portals, like we each get different portals, right? So sometimes it's, there's all different kinds of things that we experience. And, you know, this season, I really want to focus on like who we become and what we create from the heartaches that we witness in the world around us? Like, how does it change us and and the adversities that we face? Um, And so I'm wondering if it kind of in closing, each of you could share a little bit about, you know, something that you really like about yourselves that you've become because of what you have experienced in your life and how you've seen it, the hard things bear fruit in your, in your story.
2: Hmm. Um, maybe this is what you're, you're asking my, um, I was, my mom always tells this story when I was a little girl, I was in the nursery and they had me on my tummy and I would lift my head up and look both ways. And it was like, she was always like, oh my goodness, you were so strong and determined from day one. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that strength and determination has gotten me into trouble at times because mm-hmm. it can come across prickly. But I realized like God really designed me to be this way because for many reasons, but one was because I have this sick child. Mm-hmm. I have this child and I have a family and I have a lot of my shoulders and I mm-hmm. needed to be the way I was created, determined and strong and curious and, um, i think i think i waffle between accepting that and and then hating that <laughs> do you know what i mean <laughs> but i think really it is beautiful so i guess that maybe yeah
1: i think I love that yeah i love that about you unless, unless she's mad at me again you know <laughs> then, sometimes then much. <laughs> <laughs> um i think for me i think the journey to being free of what others might make think about me, you know. I think the willingness to say, hey, this is who I am. And it's a little bit what you're saying, I think. Like, this is who I am. This is who I'm designed to be. These are my gifts. This is the way that I use them. Being able to exercise the word no (laughs) when (laughs) it's like I'm asked to do something that I know doesn't fit into my gifts or into my time that I want to give to my family or to my primary callings. Mm -hmm. And so learning, I think that yeah, like learning to, to to embrace my gifts, who I am, the voice God has given me, and share our story, and or my story, or our story, our family story, whichever it is, or even sometimes other people's stories. Yeah, um, you know, and with, with no apologies, and mm-hmm. and be able to say, hey, this goes where it goes. This is what I'm called to do. And just be content in that, where I am, doing what I'm meant to be doing. And I I, I think maybe that is the word I'm looking for, like contentment. Mm -hmm. Just learning to be content in in the season, um, regardless of what I hoped it would be, or what response I hoped I would get, or the affirmation I do or don't get, or whatever it may be. Like, Just, yeah, living in my own skin contently, I think is the place that's I a finally... gift of age
0: too yes i think it right? is
1: yeah you're absolutely right it takes age yeah something you i can't yeah. necessarily have like in your 20s or even 30s i don't think
0: <laughs> no i don't think so yeah those are great those are really great so if people want to find you where can they find you online yeah. on social
1: so um bowensheart.com has our family's story you know the story with ben Bowen. Um, that's, you know, the, the common thread that we share with the heart disease mm-hmm. world. Um, and then my music, our documentary also is, um, at matthammett.com You can find that. And probably the easiest way is you can find me or Sarah very easily on social media. We're both on Instagram and Facebook. I'm on Twitter, just Matt Hammett. And then I think all your And Google, just...
2: we'll probably, will pop right up. Yeah, so yeah, up. yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, if, if all if all else fails, old Google. Google's will help people out.
0: <laughs> well, we'll link you know all that stuff in the show notes. I just really appreciate you guys coming on today and being so honest and sharing. And one last question, like, what's next for you? What are you working on? Anything exciting that you can share with us?
1: Yeah, like so. One thing I'm I'm really excited is uh, I've been working on. Well, there's two things. Um, a fatherhood program for young dads mm. just oh, to help cool. them feel empowered to mm. be able to take on that role to be a great dad, um, mm. even if they don't feel equipped for that.
2: And specifically mm. in yeah. crisis pregnancy, correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's part of it, but it's, it's even further than that, but that's, that's part of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And to, you know, to and, and I think a lot about that with dads who might be expecting kids with illness too, mm-hmm. you know, like that's part of my heart in that. And um, so, the organization called Save the Storks out of uh, Colorado Springs. That we're doing a video series with that. But I'm also working on more music right now um, that I'm I'm really passionate about. I think I've taken a few years off of of recording and putting anything out, and have some opportunities potentially to do some more music um, on my own and with some other people. And I just I'm very excited to see where that that goes. So, and you know, it's always weird to see the speaking side of things blossom. I that door Mm -hmm. just continues to be blown wide open. It's nothing I ever really anticipated. Um, I've always been an artist, not so much a speaker, but that Mm -hmm. I've blossomed in that area and um, continue to get opportunity. And so, I'm trying to embrace that, but also stay true to my primary gifting of music. So, a little bit of a balancing act this year, but some good stuff in our family. I don't know. I don't know.
2: I'm trying to think like, uh, I need to just be present with the kids. I mean, they're, yeah, they're so busy. The they're last, yeah. The last yeah. half of them being home. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot about, you know, we just did a lot of creative projects at, that I was a part of. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I would love, I do have some more heart CHD. I have an idea I want to do. Um, yeah. But and that's going, I'm going to, I always say I'm pregnant with an idea and <laughs> I'm in labor, but I haven't yeah. birthed it yet. So I'm yeah. kind of, I'm pregnant with an idea and- We're well,
1: working on baby number five, but it's not a human baby. Yeah, idea right.
2: yeah. yeah, baby.
1: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know? baby.
2: Yeah. And I'm just waiting to feel like God's release to, in the time it's and the, the motivation time. to, to yeah. get it down. Does that make sense? Yeah. I know it's yeah. in there. I just need to get it down. So yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's awesome. And then
2: Bowen's, you know, Bowen's status is that he ate too many hot Cheetos last night and he was vomiting <laughs> this morning. <laughs> oh, geez. But other than that, he's really good. That's yeah.
0: awesome. And is he still doing music? Is he is he still performing and doing music with you?
1: Yeah, he still comes yeah. out from time to time and performs. Yeah. He, he's kind of getting to that age where, like, he doesn't want to do it as much right now. Yeah. So I can see that we'll age. find out where that goes long-term if he yeah, kind of he wants to. he's still very passionate about music. We'll we'll find out if he still keeps the passion to keep writing and performing mm-hmm. his own. But yeah. Emmy really has been a big surprise to us. Yeah, our, our oldest. oldest yeah. She started playing guitar, writing music and she has wow. this unbelievable voice. She just like, I don't know. Like I always knew she had a pretty voice, but like it's just starting to like grow in ways that I just never imagined. So it's really wow. been neat to watch her. Grow in that That's area. Awesome. Totally. And okay.
2: Yeah. And as far as Bowen last night, you know, we're in bed. It's about 10:30, and he comes down, he says, I can't sleep. I gotta write a song. And so him, <laughs> he grabbed paper, he grabbed a pencil, and Lewis and Bo literally sat there probably for another hour and wrote songs. And so, I mean, this is a very common occurrence in our house. So, I like sure this is,
0: is a true creative. <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs> it was so fun. And so, yeah, they're just and in his his health status is just, just wait, you know? I mean, he's going to go in in the next month. I don't even know if you know this. <laughs> in the I'm next- like, I do tell. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to go in the next month and he's going to get all his um, liver checked and yeah. have like an mm-hmm. exercise tolerance yep. test and kind of do the checkup after the Fontan. Sure. It's been about four years at that point. Mm-hmm. So we yeah. kind of have to start Looking at some of the potential negative side effects to his mm-hmm. surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So now we'll get well, some more projects to outrun the grief. Yeah. You know, that's
0: <laughs> right. Let's just <laughs> let's keep pumping that stuff out. <laughs> well, it was great to be with you both today. Thank you so much for your time. I always love spending time with you. Um, and we just Likewise. send love and blessings to your family. And uh, I can't wait for people to listen in.
2: Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, Thank Jessica. you.
0: Thank you for joining me here on the HeartStrong Podcast. Please rate and review this podcast and share an episode that you love with a friend. Because when you do, you help us grow our mission of encouraging people to grow through the challenges of their lives and to live their full potential. We'll see you next time.